We're spending the next few minutes of WGTD's morning show talking about a concept that on the surface might not seem to make very much sense at all. It actually makes a tremendous amount of sense. Physical intelligence. It is a concept that uh, is explored in a fascinating new book called Physical Intelligence, Harnessing Your Body's Untapped Intelligence to Achieve More, Stress Less, and Live More Happily. And uh, we're going to be spending the next few minutes with uh, Patricia Payton, who is uh, co-author of this book with Claire Dale. Patricia Payton has a consulting firm called Sphere International and uh, has done a great deal of training and coaching, has background in both dance and voice work as well. And uh, she and her co-author have uh, spoken to a number of different people and explored this concept in a lot of different ways uh, in their fascinating book published by Simon & Schuster, again, titled Physical Intelligence. Patricia Payton, we welcome you to The Morning Show. Thank you, Greg. It's great to be here. Uh, You and your co-author did not coin this term. You're careful to give credit for that to one Howard Gardner. And uh, apparently he wrote about the uh, idea of physical intelligence back in 1983. Tell us who he was and what prompted him to come up with this concept, which you and your co-author have explored uh, uh, much more deeply in your new book. Well, I'm I'm afraid I can't speak much on what led Howard Gardner to come up with the term physical intelligence. He wrote about it in a book called Frames of Mind, which is a theory of multiple intelligence, intelligences. And he, he was talking about kinesthetic intelligence. So there, back in, in, the, in that time, you know, there were, this was long before Sir Ken Robinson's favorite, famous TED Talk. And in Ken Robinson's TED Talk, which is related to what, to what Howard was talking about, he described that a lot of people view their body as a vehicle that just carries their brain from meeting to meeting. It was a, it's a, one of the most famous TED Talks, and sadly he just passed. But that was in reference to the fact that schools were not acknowledging that there are children who are more creative, and they are, they're thinking and learning in a different way, and they have a different type of intelligence that isn't really supported by the traditional school system. In frames of mind, uh, this theory of multiple intelligences included that kinesthetic intelligence, because there there's more than just cognitive intelligence or emotional intelligence or kinesthetic intelligence. There are there are several different intelligences, and I would encourage people if they're interested in that to read Frames of Mind. It's fascinating. It's actually taught at university level in many programs, and there's uh, it's quite a deep piece of work. So I don't want to go too deeply into what he shared. I don't know that I'll do him justice other than to credit him with having flagged that we do have this ability, this physical intelligence that most of us ignore. Hmm. So to help us understand this term physical intelligence, let's start with the way in which you and others are talking about the simple term intelligence. Uh, And are we talking about are you using the term intelligence in a sense the way most of us do, but then taking it further? Or is it important for us to understand right at the outset a different idea about what intelligence is? Well, I think there are multiple intelligences. We look at physical intelligence primarily in the context of where it sits in comparison to 
cognitive intelligence, which is IQ, and that's the way most of us think about intelligence, as well as EQ, emotional intelligence, and the seminal work on that was written by Daniel Goleman in, uh, in the mid-90s. So we really talk about physical intelligence as not just sitting alongside those other two intelligences that are in the common vernacular, but that it underpins those intelligences. So th- that's how we are describing it. Not, it's, it. It's really part of a greater whole that most of us are thinking IQ. A good number of us are thinking IQ and EQ. We're saying there's a third that should be in the common parlance. If we, if we get into more of Howard's work, I'm sure there are all of those intelligences can be grouped together. But we're really focusing on physical intelligence as an underpinning for cognitive and emotional intelligence. Right. And again, when you're talking about what intelligence is, these different kinds of intelligence, are we talking about then, for instance, sort of mastery or skill? Uh, I mean, in a very general term, how are you using the term intelligence and then physical intelligence? We are using the term in terms of mastery or skill, because you can't be physically intelligent if you haven't developed the skills to do that. You can't be emotionally intelligent unless you've developed the skills to do that. You can't be, your cognitive intelligence measures your your IQ. So that is how we're using it in the same way it's used in those other contexts. Mm. And are you suggesting that we all have these intelligences in relatively equal measure or equal balance or have the potential? Uh, And is that ideal to have a balance of strong intelligences, this array? Or is it that we're all a little different and that... uh, one person is destined to probably be more physically intelligent than cognitively intelligent, and that's okay. Uh, how should we understand this in terms of the diversity of the human race? Sure. Well, everyone is a little different or a lot different, and that's all right. And we absolutely, everyone on the planet has the ability to develop physical intelligence. We all have some degree of cognitive intelligence, and we all can develop emotional intelligence. So we are all at different places with regard to each one of those, I imagine. You know, everyone's IQ is different. Our EQ is up to us to develop. And and physical intelligence, similarly, is up to us to develop. There are athletes we've interviewed and artists, singers and actors, dancers, certainly, who have tremendous physical intelligence already. And then we've also worked with people in business who at 50 years old said, what do you mean focus on my breath? Doesn't it just happen? (laughs) So, you know, and yes, of course it does happen, but if we use our breath in a more strategic way, then we can do those things that you talked about at the beginning, achieve more, stress less, live and work more happily. And breath is just one of over 100 techniques that are part of the physical intelligence curriculum. In fact, there are multiple ways of breathing that we, that we talk about to achieve different things. Right. So, Before we get to all those techniques, yeah. you, you actually start with what you call the four elements of physical intelligence. Explain to our listeners what those four elements are and how we should think about them. Sure. And before I do that, I'd like to just 
define physical intelligence so that people understand, before I get into those four and the chemical story behind mm-hmm. them, what it's all a, a part of, what it enables. So physical intelligence is the ability to detect and then actively manage the balance of certain key chemicals. These are hormones and neurotransmitters that are racing through our body. And there are over 400 of those. We can't and we shouldn't influence all of them. Some of them are doing their job, keeping our heart beating. Let's not fool with those. But there are more than, we talk about eight in the book. There are more than eight, but we have, start, we have to start somewhere. So eight is a reasonable number. And we can and should actively manage those through how we move, how we breathe, how we interact with each other, and how we think. So thought processes, movements, ways of breathing, ways of interacting enable us to do that so that we don't experience waves of emotion, thoughts, and reactions. We can actually strategically influence them. And it's the ability to do that, to detect and then actively manage it, that enables us to be more physically intelligent. So that's what we mean by it. And then the four elements are strength, flexibility, resilience, and endurance. Strength is all about inner strength, confidence, resolve, appropriate risk-taking, standing your ground, speaking wisely and decisively, driving change. Flexibility is all about creativity, innovation, collaboration, agile thinking, embracing change, adapting to different styles of communicating or behaving, and then resilience is just what you think. It's bouncing back from disappointment, from setback, maintaining a learning mindset, remaining optimistic in the face of challenge and disappointment, developing really strong adrenal glands and immune system through physical, mental, and, and physical fitness, physical, mental, and emotional fitness. And then endurance is all about sustaining effort over the long term. When you're kind of going through that, what we call an endurance tunnel, and those walls start to cave in and the light starts to dim, how do you keep those walls wide open and keep that light switched on? And that requires patience, persistence, and planning, energy, motivation. That's what we mean by endurance. So those are the four elements, and they, the techniques all influence the levels of chemicals, and there's a different chemical story for each one of those elements. And if we know what chemicals matter for strength, flexibility, resilience, and endurance, and then we know what techniques to use to boost those chemicals, we can take more control of how we approach a situation or react to a situation or move through a situation. You call these four elements the backbone of physical intelligence training, and you say that these are all vital to life as a whole. Uh, Your book, of course, goes on then to explore all kinds of different techniques related to physical intelligence and to fostering it. One of the concepts you shared that I thought was really intriguing uh, involves uh, a very effective way to fold new habits into one's life, and it involves a process called stacking. Explain to our listeners what it means to stack new habits into one's life and maybe give us a concrete example of of what that might look like in in one's life. Sure. We call it habit stacking because what you're doing is as you go through the book, there are 80 techniques in the book. As I said, there are more than 100 in, in our whole curriculum and we're always creating more as neuroscience 
evolves. You can't take on 80 new habits as you read the book or at the end of the book. It's overwhelming. So we encourage people to choose a few and then take those, let's say, three habits and put them next to something that you already do every day, like brushing your teeth, making a pot of coffee, sitting down at your desk. If you were driving into the office in the days when we did that, you know, when you get in your car or you get on the subway or on the train, all of those things that always happen. And if you put that new technique next to the thing that always happens, it's much more quickly going to become ingrained in your daily life. So, for example, I'll give you, I'll give you my protocol, my morning protocol. As soon as I open my eyes, I start paced breathing, which is a foundational technique that I would advise everyone if you only take one or two things from the book, one of them should be paced breathing absolutely crucial for a number of reasons. So I open my eyes and I begin paced breathing. When I get out of bed, as soon as my feet touch the floor, again, something I do every day, thank God, I do what we call a map of tension. I scan my body for where I might be holding tension because uh, if we free the body, we can free the mind. In fact, we cannot free the mind until we free the body. So I want to identify my points of tension and work through those. I brush my teeth and I smile at myself. Smiling at myself in the mirror gives me a shot of serotonin, which is our happiness and status chemical. I walk across the house in what we call a winter pose to put my chemistry of confidence in place. And then as I sit down at my computer, I pay very close attention to my posture because of all of the things that posture does in terms of, again, related to confidence, but also just freeing my body for my lungs to expand so that I can breathe properly. If I'm not sitting or standing properly, I actually can't breathe properly. And if I can't breathe properly, I can't think clearly. So there's a, a quick protocol. I make sure I twist. When I, get, when I get up to make lunch, I twist at the waist. Anytime I get out of my chair, I twist at the waist. That releases serotonin. 95% of that is produced in our gut. And it's very important for the suppleness of the connective tissue between muscle and bone. And, it, and again, that serotonin is our happiness chemical. So it helps in flexibility in many ways, physical flexibility, mental flexibility, serotonin. There are other chemicals that also impact flexibility. So there are a few things that I've habit stacked into my daily life. And then others, other techniques you might want to use situationally, but the habit stacking is crucial to get some of those daily practices in your day. Mm. And I appreciate what you just did because it gives us a, a very good sense of just how detailed this book is in terms of exploring the four elements and and many elements within each of those elements and uh, and, and and very concrete ways to to underscore them in one's life and, and, and nurture them. Let's talk for a moment about chemicals. We've touched on chemicals quite a lot already. And it's interesting how uh, the chapter in which you kind of introduce us to the importance of this is titled The Winning Cocktails, in which you talk about, I think it's eight chemicals that are of particular importance when it comes uh, to our uh, physical intelligence and our, our well-being. And then you talk about uh, the concept of mixing the cocktail. That is, that these eight chemicals are not just important in and of themselves, but they're also important in terms of how they interact with each other and are balanced with 
each other. Just say a word about just how significant this is and, and, and give us a general sense of, of how an ordinary person uh, can be in a position to, to make a difference when it comes to those kind of matters that most of us are walking around not thinking about at all. Sure. So let's start with, with two quick chemicals, which are adrenaline and acetylcholine, that really work in balance. So most people are familiar with the feeling of adrenaline, right? It gets us up, it gets us going, and, it, and the acetylcholine brings us back into balance. So they're two ends of a scale. If you think about that as a vertical axis, there we toggle. We go from the adrenaline for effort and the, the acetylcholine for balance. That's a... That's a vertical axis. There's a horizontal axis that has cortisol on the right and DHEA on the left. Cortisol is our stress and threat chemical. It gets a bit of a bad rap because we need it to get up and out of bed in the morning. We all need cortisol. But if it spikes too high, then it brings all of our top performing chemicals down and and, it, and if we don't have enough DHEA, it goes too high. So DHEA is our vitality chemical. That's at the other end of that axis. I can't show the picture, unfortunately, but if you're drawing it in your mind, DHEA is our vitality chemical. And that's why I talked about paced breathing being so important, because DHEA is so powerful that in synthetic form, it's a banned substance for Olympic athletes. But we can produce it on our own every day through paced breathing. So that's why I say if you take one technique, start with paced breathing, which also requires posture, so they're kind of, they're joined at the hip. When DHEA is where it needs to be, then all of these other chemicals are in balance. The dopamine, our pleasure and reward chemical, oxytocin, our social bonding and trust chemical, serotonin, our happiness and status chemical, and testosterone, our power and control chemical. So if cortisol spikes, those all come down. If DHEA is where it needs to be, then they're all well supported, and cortisol is at the, the optimal low levels where we need it to be in our body. So that's what we mean by mixing that cocktail. We, if we engage in certain behaviors, as I said, smiling at ourselves in the mirror, that takes seconds incorporating certain twists in our day, then we're releasing serotonin. Oxytocin, so important for social bonding and trust. And this year, a lot of people are really low on oxytocin because we haven't been able to spend time with our loved ones the way we normally can. So oxytocin is so important for, for performance in multiple elements, flexibility, resilience in particular. And we need to keep that boosted so there are certain techniques that will create a release of oxytocin, which is produced in our brain, but also by independent neurons in our heart, in and around our heart. So all of those must be where at, at optimal levels for us to do just what the book says, achieve more stress less and live and work more happily. If we know what they feel like and if we know which techniques will release them, then we can more strategically approach incorporating these thought processes, movements, breathing techniques, and ways of communicating into our day. Mm. Uh, last question. Uh, your book includes real-life examples uh, from the lives of uh, some athletes and some dancers and some singers and so on. Uh, for someone who 
is not, for instance, an athlete at all. Uh, is this within their grasp uh, to the same extent that it is for someone who, for instance, is athletically blessed, athletically gifted, and very much in touch with their body in a way that the, the typical non-athlete probably is not? I mean, are we talking about an arena that, in a sense, has nothing to do with the gifts that we think of with the typical athlete? Absolutely. This book is for every human being on the planet. No matter where you are, there are techniques that you're going to be able to use. We have wheelchair users who are using physical intelligence. There are, uh, we were speaking at the Oxford Literary Festival, and there was an elderly woman who was frail, and she said, how is this for me? And we sat with her and talked to her. We said, start where you are. Most of us are breathing on our own. I know that's not true of everyone, but most of us are breathing on our own. Most of us are able to sit and stand and walk, right? If we're, and the simple act of walking is going to release some dopamine, which is going to help you with creativity and innovation. That's a Stanford study, 45% more likely to have a creative, innovative idea if we're walking versus seated, sitting, standing, smiling at yourself at the mirror, twisting at the waist. Those are things most people can do. So absolutely, it's tremendously accessible, it doesn't cost anything. These are all abilities within ourselves. There are also t tips and techniques for ways of exercising to help us in each of those four pillars and ways of eating to help us in each of those four pillars. So now some of that might require investing in some equipment and certainly buying the right food. But the majority of the techniques are things that any of us can do any day without spending a penny. And it will drive performance. In fact, companies that have invested in this have achieved double-digit revenue growth. They've increased operating efficiency. They've improved their customer satisfaction and employee satisfaction scores. Individuals have been promoted up one and two levels within months and in some cases even weeks of really putting this in place on a team or within themselves. Hmm. So it works, and it's simple. But don't confuse simple with unimportant. Mm -hmm. This is vitally important for our performance and largely overlooked. Mm. The book again is titled Physical Intelligence, Harness Your Body's Untapped Intelligence to Achieve More, Stress Less, and Live More Happily. It's published by Simon & Schuster and one of its authors, Patricia Payton. Patricia Payton, thank you so much for joining me today on The Morning Show. This has been an illuminating conversation for me and I'm sure for our listeners as well. Best wishes to you. Thank you, Greg. And people can find us at companiesinmotion.com or Peyton underscore Patricia, that's P-E-Y-T-O-N underscore Patricia, on Twitter. And I'm, and I'm on LinkedIn as, as Patricia Peyton. So love to hear from you. Follow us. We'll send you the latest tips in neuroscientific research with easy techniques.